0: church experience online we're so happy that you joined us today as you watch this teaching video if you have any questions or need help getting connected please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email
1: also our website is the best place to go if you'd like to
0: access helpful roadstep resources join a serving team connect in a life group get your questions answered or support this movement financially by giving online At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs. We hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. hey, Church Experience family. We're in this teaching series on relationships, and we're talking about loving the person under the mask. You know, this last year, we've all had to learn how to distance ourselves from each other in a, in a new way, in an uncomfortable and awkward way. So now we're relearning how to engage relationally, how to get closer relationally, even when we can't be as close physically as we may want to be. You know, it's been an interesting journey for all of us, certainly relationally in this last year. But I am so excited about today. I'm fired up. Because today we're all going to take a leap forward in our relationships. We're going to get our momentum back relationally. If you've lost it, you're going to regain it. If you already have it and your relationships are good, they're going to get better. So, so let's dig in together to an amazing story that Jesus shared. A story that will help us get our relationship momentum back. First I want to share with you the vision of today's message. And then we're going to read the story, and then we're going to talk about the how to do it. Okay, so, so here's the vision. I want to encourage you to write some things down today. Here's the first lesson. Relationship momentum grows when I serve. Everybody say serve. That's right, serve. Relationship momentum grows when I serve. Serving others will absolutely change and improve your life and your relationships. I'm just telling you, there's nothing quite like serving Others. Well, the background of this story that we're going to read here is, is a very interesting story. It comes on the heels of a conversation, conversation with a person who had all the right answers. Jesus is talking with him, and he, he responds, and he says, loving God and loving others, that's what it's all about. So he knew the right answer, but it seems as though loving the others in his life was not a high priority for him, and he'd really like to justify himself and get, him, get himself out of loving everybody. And so in response to the question, who is my neighbor, Jesus, Jesus responds with this story. Luke chapter 10, if you want to power on your Bible, we'll have all the verses here on the screen for you. But Luke chapter 10, we're going to pick up the story and the conversation down in verse 30. So Jesus replies in response to this question. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place that he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Let's just pause right there. You know, this story is is really fascinating on a number of levels, but I I want you to notice that this this Samaritan, this this third man, he stops, he sees what's going on, and he cares for this person. He has high empathy for him. He, He wants to take care of him. He wants to help out and it's not just, it's not a story about what he did. It's not just about what he did. It's really Jesus' point is loving others. It's about who he was, because Jesus is trying to communicate that who you are on the inside always translates to what you do on the outside. So it's not just focusing on what you do. Who's my neighbor? Tell me how I can get around this loving others thing in a way that benefits me the most, or that's the the most convenient. No, it's It's really what happens on the inside of you. Loving others is something that first happens on the inside, and then it impacts what you do on the outside. See, who you are always shows in what you do. And loving always leads to serving others. And this Samaritan was a loving person. He was a compassionate person, and it it translated into action for him, caring for somebody that he didn't even know. I really like this verse in Proverbs 27, verse 19. It says, As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Think about that. Your life reflects what's in your heart. So if you want to know what's in your heart, take a look at your life and how you're living, how you're loving, how you're serving. See, the others passed by. There was two other people before the Samaritan, they passed by. There was a priest and a Levite and you know they didn't although they they saw the person they didn't stop and and you know why does Jesus make this third person the Samaritan the hero in this story well the Jews they had this animosity towards the Samaritan there was this hostility they were the the hated foreigner to, to most Jews and so Jesus purposefully makes the hero of the story the Samaritan to further illustrate his point point. To, to say that those the others, the ones that you really have a hard time loving, this person he's talking to in the conversation, this person's going to be the, the hero of the story that does the right thing. Well, the priest and the Levite, they passed by the priest. They was served in the temple. The, the Levite, they were an assistant to help out around the temple. And, and, and these two, who knows why they didn't stop. Maybe uh, they feared that the bandits were still around and, and they didn't want to get robbed. And so there was risk to themselves and, and their own... Uh, their own future, their own finances. So they, they just moved on. Maybe that's why. We don't know. Maybe the reason why they didn't stop is because this person that was half dead, maybe they thought they were dead and they, they didn't want to touch anyone that was dead because you know, if they couldn't serve in the temple, if they touched something that was dead, they'd be considered unclean. And so who knows why they didn't? They had their reasons. I'm sure they had their reasons why they just passed by. But I, I love what Pastor Kevin Meyer says. He says, our reasons explain us but they don't excuse us. When I first learned that from PK, it just it just rocked my world. Because I always had a reason for the things that I didn't do. The things I was supposed to do that I didn't do. I always have a reason. And I feel like it's usually it's a pretty good reason. Well, I, this is the reason why I didn't do it. I, I didn't help out here. Or I didn't do that. Or I didn't follow through on that. Or I didn't, I didn't make that happen. Well, it's because of this reason. And when I first heard that statement, man, it just... It just transformed my life, and and years later, I'm still trying to catch up with that statement. I'm still trying to get that deeper into my soul because I find that it's so easy to excuse my way out of what I really should do with my reasons. And although your reasons explain why you didn't serve, why you didn't love them, it doesn't excuse you. As believers in Jesus, we're we're called to do what Jesus did. We're called to love others unconditionally. We're called to love others even when it's not convenient. And and this Samaritan, that's exactly what he does. He loves others. So let me ask you, what's your excuse for not serving? What's your excuse for not serving those in your life? Not serving Jesus? What's what's your reasons? Well, these others pass by, but I want you to notice something in, in verse 33 in this story. The third person was different than the first two. The Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him. Everybody say saw. That's right. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He he saw him, and then he took pity on him. So before he could notice and then act, he, he had to see him. He opened his eyes, he, he looked around, he saw what was going on, he saw the big picture. A lot of us miss the big picture of what, what God is doing around us, what God is wanting to do in our lives and our family and the, the relationships around us. We, we fail to see the potential there. We, we just miss it because we have tunnel vision and we're so focused on what we're doing and what our goals are, what we're trying to accomplish, where we're trying to go. We get so focused on our world that we miss, we miss what's right in front of us. But this Samaritan, he saw the injured man. He saw the wounded man, the half-dead man lying there. He saw the need. And because he saw the need, then he could go on and he could meet the need. But sometimes we just miss the big picture. Let me give you an example. I want you to check out this picture. I I posted this picture on my personal Instagram and Facebook this this last week. And I just made a little comment about Jennifer and marriage and family. And and, and, I put this picture up there. It's a cool picture, right? And I'll be honest, I kind of did it on purpose because, because I wanted to illustrate something in today's message, see that you like that background. You, you see that 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 background is just beautiful, isn't it? But that background is not all that there is to that picture. There's a lot more going on there. In fact, to illustrate it, I want you to check out this video. Hey, I'm here in front of this beautiful background. It's amazing for a picture, but if you look closer, it's not as glamorous as it might look in an amazing picture. I mean you got this random couch that someone abandoned in front of this old barn and it's right here along this random road by the highway in front of a gas station and in front of this gas station there's all this slush and mud that's accumulated all over the ground but when you zoom into just the picture the picture looks beautiful it's an amazing background. You don't want to judge everything just by what you see. <laughs> that was pretty good, huh? Yeah, you, you thought you knew what was going on when you saw that picture. In fact, let's put that picture up here again. Isn't that a nice background? I mean, you see that snow laying on those branches and on the grass. I it's just such a pretty background with that barn, that old historic barn. I mean, it's just, just a great background. And you think you know what's going on, but what you have no idea is that there's an abandoned couch over our shoulder and that we're standing in the mud next to a gas station along a highway exit. I mean, you just have no idea what's happening. You're focused on just what's in front of you. You're focused on just the image of what you see, and you have no idea the rest of the story. You have no idea. I wonder how many times you and I do that relationally. We, we judge a person based on what we see on the surface and we miss all the rest of the story. We, we just completely miss it. I wonder how many times you have not slowed down to look around and, and you've walked right past that person in your own home and you just you missed it. You had no idea what was going on inside them. I wonder how many times that you've missed seeing the person that you work next to or or live by that you hung out with. And you had no idea what was crumbling on the inside because it looked like it was put together on the outside. See, the Samaritan couldn't help meet a need until he stopped and he saw the need. He, He looked around, but that required slowing down. He was on a journey. He was heading somewhere just like these other two men, but he stopped. He stopped. He slowed down. He looked around and he saw the need. Do you see it? Do you see the needs that are right in front of you? Do you see the people? Are you looking them in the eyes? Do you see the whole story and not just what's on the surface? Proverbs 20 verse 12 says, Ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Everybody say both. Yeah, he made them both. He made your eyes to see so you can see what's happening. He made your ears so you can listen. So you can ask questions, so that you can get feedback. See, eyes and ears are both important if you want to you want to observe the whole situation. And and that's really the lesson here, watch and listen. Watch and listen. God gave you the ability to do both. And and if you want to get your relationship momentum back, you got to do what this Samaritan did. You got you got to watch, you got to look at what's going on in the lives of the people that you care about. And you got to listen you got to listen. We're good at talking. We're not as good at listening. You know, they say that God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason so that we'll listen twice as much as we'll talk. How many of you know that, that most people talk twice as much as they listen? And most people have relationship problems. And most people don't have relationship momentum in their lives. Hmm. And they also say that you know God made it so our mouth can close and our ears never do. And I thought that was funny when I heard that. Like, oh, that's true, that's true. But some people their mouth never closes; it just keeps going and going and going. But let's 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 move on. Watch, watch and listen. Watch and listen. James one nineteen. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Are you quick to listen? Are you quick to listen to others? What if you made it your goal to understand the whole story, the, the bigger picture, before you spoke? I mean, when you walked into a room, before you start jumping in and start talking about things, what if, what if you tried to assess what's going on? How can, I, how can I help? How can I serve here? Who is it in the room that I should go and, and serve? How can I help them? Or when you're in a conversation, what if you made it your goal to, before you sought to be understood, you tried to understand them? Before you worried about if they loved you or noticed you or cared about you, you made it your goal to love and notice and care about them. I just wonder how different our relationships would be. I'm telling you, you would get momentum relationally. I'm just telling you, it's true in a marriage, it's true in a family, it's true in a workplace. If you start to stop and see and and you notice what God's doing in the bigger picture, I'm telling you, it's going to change things for you. It's going to change things. It absolutely will. The Bible says, be quick to listen. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Also like Proverbs 18, 13, where it says, To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. To answer before listening, that's folly and shame. Man, I failed this verse so many times early in my marriage. (laughs) I still do it sometimes, but but I just straight failed this verse so many times, especially in my 20s because, you know, we'd be hanging out around the house. You know, I'm I'm into something. I got that tunnel vision. I focus. Jennifer starts telling me something that's real important to her. I have no idea what she's saying because I'm so into what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm focused, and she's talking. We get halfway through the story, and I realize that she's talking to me. I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. I, I'm in so much trouble because I have no idea what she said in the first half. And I know what comes at the back half. It's like questions, response, expectation for interaction. But I have no idea. And so have you ever been in that situation you try to give like a vague answer to try to guess at what has just been said so that you can respond intelligently even though you have no idea what's going on? I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm going to save somebody today. I'm going to save you your relationship Just be honest. I have no idea what you just said. I am so sorry. I'll work on it next time, but I have no clue. (laughs) But I didn't do that. I tried to guess. I'd I'd ask these real vague questions. I'd say statements that kind of sounded like I knew what was going on, but I didn't know. I got busted so many times. And it just, it got to the point where I was like, I just, I can't do this. I just got to be honest. I'm sorry. I have no idea what you said. So to answer before listening, that's falling in shame. Don't do that. Listen, listen first, then answer. And we're having a little fun, but I'm telling you, this this is important stuff because when you listen to someone, they feel loved. And if the whole idea is to love God and love others, when you you listen to people, they feel love. What if you made a statement like, you know, I I hear what you're saying. Is this what you're saying? And you repeated back to them a a quick version of what you think you heard. I wonder how many times arguments (laughs) would be straightened out because what we thought we heard is not what we should have heard. And what we thought they said is not what they were actually trying to say. There was something else that they're actually trying to get through, regardless of what they actually said. There was something else. that There was a, there was a heart issue, not just a head issue. It wasn't just what they were saying. Intellectually, it was, it was actually underneath that. You know, I wonder how many relationships would improve if we could just listen better. If we could do what the Samaritan did, we could just stop, and we could just, we could just listen, we could just see. This would be a game changer. Luke chapter 10, let's go back to the story. Verse 33 says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came to where the man was and we saw him. He took pity on him. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And this, this guy's incredible. And Jesus is setting up the story so we can learn from him. He's telling this story on purpose, but, but this this person, is incredible what he did. He, he took care of his wounds. He's bleeding, he's half dead, and he pours oil and wine on him. And that was a, that was a common first response. It was, it was both soothing and comforting, but also antiseptic. It was, it was there to comfort, but also to heal. And I, I really think that should be our response when we see pain in the world, to comfort, to, to bring comfort and come alongside and show people that love. And I understand. I'm sorry about that. But then also to bring healing. Hey, let me tell you the solution to the problem in your life. It's, here's what's helped me. Here's what's changed me. It's Jesus ultimately is the greatest healing power on earth. He's the only hope. And this this Samaritan, he stops to help the man. And I noticed that he was on his way somewhere. And at first when he's helping this person... he's he's helping them on the way to where he's going. So it's a little more convenient. But then he he takes the next step and he takes him to an inn, which was not necessarily on the way. It may may have even been on the path. We don't know, but but he had to at least take a stop. He had to to get off the road where he was headed. It it cost him something. That's my point. He he went above and beyond. And, and, And if you want to build some serious relationship momentum in your life, here's the lesson. Go out of your way to serve. Go out of your way to serve. You want to build some relationship momentum. I'm telling you, you want your marriage to improve. You want your relationships to improve. Go out of your way to serve. To serve them. Go out of your way. You know, it's, it's one thing to, to serve when it's on your way and it's convenient. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. And someone feels valued every time you serve them. But when you go out of your way to serve them, that's a whole other story. You know, it, it can be fun. It, it can be convenient to serve sometimes. And, you know, actually, I, I got to tell you a story. I was... Everybody has something that they're just gifted at. Like that's their thing, you know. And, and I got to tell you, my, my gift, my, my uncanny ability of all things is, is I can take a half-filled water bottle and I can throw it across the room into a trash can like nobody else. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, that's, that's my skill. I wish it was something cooler than that, but that's my skill. See, see uh, this last year I had an opportunity to be up at our Wesley Chapel campus, and there was a couple, few dozen people hanging out in the lobby, and our lead pastor there, Brandon Hughes, was hanging out. And, he, and he, him and a few others were throwing things into the trash can on the other side of the lobby. And I walked into this, and I was like, I can do this. And, and I had a water bottle in my hand. And, and I just, I, you know, have you ever had that feeling like, I've been here before? I got this? Well, I was kind of f- further back from where the trash can was. I looked over at Brandon Hughes. I didn't even look at the trash can. I'm not making this up. I looked at him, and I launched this water bottle over, through the lobby, and it landed right in the trash can. I kind of surprised myself, but instantly everyone was like, whoa! It's like one of the highlights of my life. It was, it was amazing. But then that next week, that next week, I'm in a leadership team meeting, and there's eight or ten of us hanging out after the meeting, and we're getting ready to disperse, and someone was on the other side of the room, and they opened up this little circular trash can. They popped it open, and it was open. They were standing next to it like they were throwing something away. I saw an opportunity. I had a half-drunk water bottle on the table. I grabbed the water bottle, and I threw it across the room. I threw it across the room. It bounced off their arm, literally rolled into the trash can. (laughs) I couldn't believe it, and everyone was like, what? What did you just do? It was amazing. And then most recently, this last weekend, like, this might be one of my favorite stories. I was hanging out with a good friend, Steven, and we were in the lobby. We were, we were shooting around uh, water bottles that had been left around in the lobby. We are throwing them over into the trash can before we leave. And as I'm walking out the door, I grab one more water bottle, and, and I look at him, and I look at a couple other people in the lobby, and again, no look, just threw it over my shoulder, went all the way across the lobby, bounced off the glass, right into the trash can. Oh, that was like the ultimate exit. It's so fun. I know you're saying, Brandon, I wish you had a a more important, you know, uncanny ability. I wish you had something that was a little more important than that. But I'll tell you where I got that skill was when we were church planning in the high school. When we church playing in the high school, I was always one of the last people to leave the auditorium. And inevitably, one of the band members or somebody would leave a few water bottles laying around on the stage. And there was a trash can like 20, 30 yards off the stage over on the side of the auditorium. And I would just grab these water bottles. I knew I needed to throw them away to leave it clean before we left. And I thought, well, I'm going to have some fun with it. And so I'd take these water bottles and I would launch them into the trash can. And a lot of times I would miss but we were in that school for about three and a half years, the first three and a half years of our church. So imagine how many water bottles I practiced shooting into the trash can. And it became something fun. I'd throw them all different ways. and I'd have all kinds of fun. And I actually became good at it. I've always been a basketball player, but, but this is like a special skill I developed. And I'm just having some fun with this. But I'm, I'm telling you, what, sometimes it's fun. You know, cleaning up, maybe, maybe that's not always fun. But, but it was fun for me. It was, it was on the way of what I like to do. I like basketball, so for me to... Shoot something into the hoop. And I'm going to have a good time doing that all day long. And sometimes when you're serving in your area of strength, man, it feels good. You feel alive. And usually when you're serving others, you should have that feeling like this is what I was created to do. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'm gifted at. I enjoy doing this. And it's, it's on the way, the direction that I feel called to do. This is, what, this is what my life is about. But what about the times when it's not along the way? I mean, this, this guy was on the road and the Samaritan was traveling on. And so he stopped and he helped him. But, but it was right there. It was right in front of him. But the inn, I mean, the inn may have been way off on a side road, been way out of his way, but he, he still knew this guy needed to get to an inn. He needed a place to rest and heal. So he went off his path. He went to where it was less convenient. And he went and he helped out this person. You know, one of my favorite Martin Luther King Jr. quotes He says, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands at moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. What about when it's not easy? What about when it's not convenient to serve others? Where do you stand in those moments? Do you remember those staples, buttons, those red buttons, the easy button? you remember that? The idea was you'd set it on your desk, and then every time you finish a project, no matter how hard it was, you'd hit that button, and it would say, That was easy. And you finish a project, boom, that was easy. Even if it wasn't, it was that mentality. Oh, that was easy. I got this. What about when it's not easy? In fact, I wonder if a more helpful statement might be, if it's easy, then it might not be enough. Because some of us will serve. We will care for others. We will love others. (laughs) We'll, we'll, we'll we'll, We'll go along with the need. We'll go along with whatever is needed as long as it's on the way on the way to where we're going, if it benefits us somehow, if it doesn't cost us too much. But what about when it costs you? I mean, that that person was on the side of the road in the Samaritan to see them and to initially stop and help. It was on the way. But to go to the end, to get off the path, to go out of the way, to stop, to hold up the trip, see, it costs something. What about when Jesus asks you to serve and it's not convenient? Where do you stand then? The priest and the Levite would have said, yeah, we, we love people. We help people. But when they had a purpose that exceeded their value of the person, they kept on going. They, they kept moving in their own direction instead of stopping and being redirected by God to help the person. See, we have a belief that everyone matters. And this person mattered. They're on the side of the road. They're half dead. Someone needs to stop and help them. The good Samaritan, unlike the other two, he, he says, you know, what? this person matters. And so whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever costs, I, I want to help because this person is in need. And I just wonder if we're those kind of people or, or are we the kind of people that only serve when we feel like it? See, I don't feel like it is, is not a good way to make decisions. But so many people are d- driven by their do I feel like it or not in their decision making. Do I feel like serving? Do I feel like forgiving? Do I feel like showing up? Do I feel like attending? Do I feel like helping out? See, we only serve when when it doesn't cost us too much. But once it starts to cost us, once it starts to hurt, that's when we just move on. We keep on going down the path. And Jesus is making a statement here. He's telling the story, and every part of it, I believe, is purposeful. He's, he's showing us that this Samaritan loved beyond just, hey, God bless you. I'll say a prayer for you. Let me know how you're doing. He, he helped him out. He made sacrifices. You know, it's amazing when you get a whole group of people that, that get this mentality. I, I love our church. We have people who serve wear lanyards, and on that lanyard it says, here to serve. And we wear those on purpose. So someone who's new to the church, they know who to go to to ask questions. But also it reminds us when we put that on, hey, I'm I'm here to serve. It's not about me. In fact, that's a great statement to to make every day when you wake up. It's not about me. (laughs) It's really not. It's not about me. Because when you go into life thinking it's all about me and the world is here to serve me, then you miss out on that relationship momentum. Your relationships are never what they could be because it's always about what do I get from others. But when you flip that and it's what can I give for others, how can I serve, it is transformational in your relationships. Your relationships will never be the same. It's not about me. It's not about me. I always tell my kids not to compete against each other, but to compete for each other. What I mean by that is if you're competing against somebody, it's like, no, I want that. No, that's mine. I'm going to go first. No, I'm going to win. But when you're competing for each other, no, no, you go first. No, you go first. No, you can have it. No, it's yours. You you go ahead. It's yours. It's the big difference between competing against each other and competing for each other. I'm encouraged when I, I see people doing things that, that require sacrifice that benefit others. And look, look what this Samaritan did in Luke chapter 10. Let's, let's read uh, the end of this story, verse 35. Look, look what he does. Look how far he goes out of his way. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him. Look after this hurt man, he said. And when I return, so I'm, I'm going to come back. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. He goes out of his way to serve. He, he, it costs him financially. It costs him his time. He's like, just whatever you need, whatever it takes. That's one of our passions at church experience, whatever it takes. He says, whatever it takes, I'm here to serve. Verse 36, Jesus says, wrapping up the story, which of these three, these three people, do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law, the person he was talking to, replied, he said, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. That's what it means to love your neighbor, is to be that person. Jesus is, is summarizing with the story what it looks like to love others. Be the person that stops on the side of the road and helps them. And it might not be literally. In fact, there's probably times where it's not safe to stop along the side of the road and, and help somebody. It's, it's probably not the wise thing to do. you got a bunch of kids in the car and there looks someone that looks dangerous. Call for help if you need to. But it, the point is not physically stopping every time you see a need. It is, are you the kind of person that will go out of your way to love and serve and help others? Will you make the sacrifice? Will you do whatever it takes so that more people can experience a full life in Jesus Christ? Will you serve others? Will you serve your spouse? Will you serve your kids? Will you serve your coworkers? Or do you expect to be served? See, make a sacrifice to serve. That's that's the final lesson today. Make a sacrifice to serve. That's when things change. I see people stepping up and leading in, in groups within our church. We have life groups, and, and it's exciting to see more and more people getting connected into groups. We have life group leaders who open up their homes, and they, they get this group ready, and they recruit people to join it. We have assistant leaders who come alongside and say, hey, I want to help you. And whenever you can't do it, I'll lead, or you can come use my house sometimes. We have point leaders within groups who say, hey, let, let me organize the child care the babysitter, let, let, let me help organize the food. We can all bring some food. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that. When you see people stepping up and serving, that's a powerful life group. That's a powerful church when, when people step up and they, they serve others. It's an amazing thing. Have you ever played with those sticky hands? Have you ever seen the kid's toy sticky hands or the, these long like gel-like things that you can, you can throw out and, and, and they'll stick to whatever it touches, they'll stick to any surface? It, it, we had someone that was playing with the sticky hand around the central campus the other day, and and it, and it got it got stuck somewhere inconvenient. In fact, it was really hard <laughs> to get this sticky hand unstuck. Check it out. His arms are like. <laughs> it's
1: like right. It's like going the, the champ of the whole year.
0: <laughs> they got the sticky hand off the ceiling. That's, that's great. You know, sticky hands are a lot of fun until they stick to something that you don't want them to stick to. When they stick to the crumbs on the countertop, when they stick to those pieces of hair sitting there, when they stick to all that junk on the counter. And it gets full of all this other stuff you, you didn't want it to stick to, and then it won't stick to anything because it's got all this crud on it. And let's talk about relationships. They're fun at the beginning because you just stick together. A new relationship is fun. I mean, you just connect it's great, it's life giving, but then what about over time when some other dirt gets mixed into the relationship? You know, maybe there was an offense, a conflict, an argument. They said something to you or about you that you didn't like. What about then? You kind of lose some of that sticky factor. In fact, can we just take this a level deeper? Let's talk about sexual intimacy. In a new relationship, God meant for a, a man and a woman to come together in marriage for the rest of their life, to literally stick together. But that's not what happens in our world these days. And that's not our, our, our world's view on things. It's like You might have a sexual relationship with somebody, and, but it doesn't turn into marriage. You don't stick together. But when you pull yourself out, when you rip yourself out of that relationship, you take some of them with you. You take some of that dirt with you. And then you maybe go get into another relationship, and that one was just a fling. And so you pull yourself out. You rip yourself out of that and get detached and take some of them with you as well, take some more dirt with you. And then you get married, but then the marriage doesn't last because it gets hard and there's some challenges. Instead of working through it, it's just a lot easier just to bounce like before. And so you, you rip yourself out of that situation. Now you brought some more dirt with you. And then you just find that in the future it's just hard to stick in a relationship because you got all this, all this garbage, all this dirt. In fact, every time we dismiss God's way of doing relationships, doesn't matter what category it is, every time we dismiss God's way of doing a relationship, we, we add dirt into our relationship. We lose that sticky factor. We lose the momentum relationally. Every time we, we, we start to hide from others, we start to hide from God, we start to mask ourselves. We, we say, well, God, God won't know. God won't care. You know, it, it doesn't matter. I'll just kind of do my own thing. We mask ourselves. I'll just kind of do my own thing. And we can just kind of quarantine our life. And, and relationally, we've lost that sticky factor. And the only way to get it back is through God's power to wash us from all that dirt. You know, there was a man in the Old Testament, David, who had a lot of junk in his life relationally. Made some mistakes, and, and he knew it. And he knew that the only person that could help him was God. And in Psalm 51, it says... He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. He says, cleanse me, wash me, get all the junk out of my life because I want to live for you. I want to love you. And God, you're the only one. You're the only one that can wash me. And bring back the sticky factor in my relationship again. I want to connect with you. And I want to connect with others. And you're the only one that can help me do that. And so today, whatever it is in your past, relationally, whatever it is in your current relationship presently, God can bring healing. God can bring forgiveness. He can wash away all the dirt. That's the amazing power of the gospel, what we call the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, while you and I were lost in our sin, Jesus came and he sacrificed. He went out of his way to serve us, to love us. And because the king of all kings sacrificed, went out of his way and served you, he set for us an example of what it looks like to serve others, to sacrifice, to care about others. And he also made it possible for us to be forgiven by God and washed clean so we can get that sticky factor back once again. Where we can, again, connect with God relationally, through his son Jesus, and we can have relationships that really stick and last with other people. We can love them through the offenses, through the arguments, through the problems, through the adversity, because of that sticky factor that God's given us, which is loving and serving others. And my hope is today that that God will give you that momentum back in your life because of what we talked about. As you go back into this week ahead, you'll serve others. You'll sacrifice. You'll slow down and look around. You'll, You'll listen. You say, how can I help? It's not about me. See, my hope is if you'll do these things that God will transform your relationship. He will, he'll absolutely do it. And you will find your relationship momentum is growing. And that's where we all wanna be. We wanna be growing in our relationships so God can get greater glory through our lives and more people can experience a full life in Jesus Christ because of your life. Right on, right on. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your example to us. You sacrificed your very life on a cross so we can be washed, forgiven of our sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you went out of your way. You got off your throne and you came to serve us. Jesus, may we follow your example and serve others this week, going out of our way, looking for opportunities, seeing where you're at work, seeing the bigger picture, not just the image in front of us, but seeing the whole story. May we slow down and look around and see where you want to use us this week. God, we love you. We thank you for the examples that you give us, the teaching that you give us, but most of all, the sacrifice you made that made forgiveness, the washing of our sin even possible. We love you so much, Jesus, and we thank you for who you are and what you mean to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support the movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song. We hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.
1: strong i